let us go to the word of the Lord. Luke 1, verse 13 through 17. There are some key points here, three major points that we want to hit over the next few weeks, however that plays out. It says, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his, his name John. Everyone say John. This is John the Baptist. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Notice that there is no wine or drunkenness in his life to be great in the Lord. I want you to see that. And he shall, that's for anyone that's struggling right now with alcoholism. I want you to hear me online. If you're struggling with drinking, that God has the strength to pull you out of it. Amen. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Look at the answer here. The answer to strong drink or alcoholism or being addicted to something is to be full of the Holy Ghost. That is the opposite, not necessarily the exact opposite, but it is what God has given us to step out of addiction, be full of the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. And here's the verse that I want to focus on for the next couple of weeks. And he shall go before him in the spirit of power. Everyone say spirit of power. Hallelujah. That spirit gives us many things that we can do. Power of boldness, power of being able to have authority over the devil's ability. Amen? Amen. All of those things are, are wrapped up in that spirit of power right there. Of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. There's one. And, to dis, and the disobedient to the wisdom and to... Uh, wisdom of the just, there's two, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, and there's three. Those are the three things God wants me to talk about in this home series, and I really believe that we're calling people home. Amen? I believe that. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children that's raising them up to know the Lord. Number two, dis disobedience to wisdom that's learning godly principles or God is not a respecter of person, but he's a respecter of principles. Amen? And then make ready a people for the Lord. Spiritual preparation. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Jesus, we ask you to bless the hearing, reading, and the planting of your word to give us the ability to translate what you have given us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord saw a sign online. It was a Marine holding up a sign. And he said, that part about no man left behind was serious. In other words, Marines have a saying that when a brother falls in battle, they don't leave them behind. They will take whatever risk is necessary to go retrieve their body and bring them home under the flag. And it's interesting that we're seeing... After the attack in Afghanistan, 
the bombing that took place at the airport there and the 13 men and women that are now this last week beginning to exit the plane and families gathering around the casket and families crying over the 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 American flag draped casket and 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 the burials that are taking place and the services that are happening here at home there is so much so much to be said about bringing them home, amen? The ceremony and the things that are done on those, for those that offer their life as the greatest sacrifice for freedom, that we can stand under the flag because they laid under it for freedom, amen? We bring them not only to memory today, and, and maybe you're asking, Pastor, why do, why do you bring those up in a message about home? Because those men were, and women were Americans, and we bring them back home to give them honor and to give them a proper place of burial. And I also bring it up because do you not know that humans have a crazy ability. In fact, they're notoriously good at walking away from the sacrifices others have made. If you don't make the sacrifice, we easily forget the sacrifices that are made. And I want to remind us that Jesus is the one who purchased us on a cross. Jesus is the one who made the greatest sacrifice. And we have to forever put in front of our life that he deserves honor for dying on my cross. He allows me to stand because he laid in my tomb. He allows me to get up and be victorious because he was baptized with my suffering. He was baptized with my my sin. He drank the cup that I should have drank. He was baptized in the suffering that I should have been baptized in. And I know that that scripture is referring to the fact that we too may suffer as Christ suffered in this life. But on top of all of that, I have to remind you that while we are talking about soldiers being honored properly, I want you to know that we are soldiers in the army of the Lord. And we have a proper home and we have a place to be, and you will always have a home in Christ Jesus. No matter the battles you have to fight, no matter the places you have to go, you will always have a home. I don't care how difficult life becomes, no matter how lost you feel, you will always have a home in God. We are all God's children, amen? Saved or unsaved, you are God's creation. You are God's children, saved or unsaved. But what makes you a child of God is if you are born again of water and of spirit. In fact, Scripture tells us that you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born of water and of spirit. Nicodemus, being a religious ruler, understanding great passages and great bulk of Scripture, says, Jesus, I, I snuck out here in the nighttime because I was afraid of what my other religious brothers would say if I came to you. But I, I snuck to this campfire, and I'm wondering, are you meaning that I need to go back in my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus is scratching his head going, medical science hasn't caught up to this guy. 
And he's like, no, that is not what I'm saying. I'm saying you must be born of water and you must be born of spirit. We know born of water is baptism. We know that born of spirit is the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And the scripture even tells us in places that we are not to forsake the filling of the spirit or forsake or quench not the spirit. In fact, it says there are some that deny the power thereof. In other words, they have a form of religion in their life. They are the they are children of God, but they have not stepped into a place where they're where they are they are God's children, but they have not stepped into a place where they're a child of God. They've been born again. Everyone can sense God. Everyone can recognize God. You can look at nature and say, truly, there is a divine creator. But until you have been experienced, until you've experienced the power of God, you have not fully established your residency in heaven. You have not fully established that this earth is not my home. I'm just passing through until you've been born of water and of spirit. You have not truly made yourself into a child of God. But when you do that, you have a place at his table no matter what is going on in your life. When you do that, when you are born again, truly born again, and you forsake not the power of God in your life, you always have a home in Christ Jesus. So much to be said about the settling of people into families. So much to be said about home. This is our home, amen? That walking in the presence of God feels like home more than anything else. And we begin to worship the Lord and his spirit invades this place and it manifests, not that his spirit wasn't here already, but that it manifests to where we can actually feel it. Oh, how precious, brothers and sisters, it is to have felt the presence of God in this house already. There are people, thousands, droves of individuals who have never really felt the presence of God before. And we are the blessed and the, the cherished ones of God that know what it's like to feel the tingling of the presence of God, to start at your head and move to your feet to stand in his presence and feel like thank you God for making a home for my soul. Thank you God for making a place where I dwell. Thank you God for making a place where I can come to that regardless of what what I was brought through, regardless of what my upbringing was, regardless of whether I did everything right or I've done some things wrong, you don't look at me and go yeah you got this, this, this and this so you only get this much of my spirit but you feel all mankind. You feel everyone who searches for you. All that come to you can be filled with God's spirit and we must be sure that we are not religious but we are in relationship with him because I'd hate to get to the day when I meet him and say didn't we do these things in your name didn't we cast out devils didn't didn't we didn't we heal the sick and raise the dead scripture says and Jesus says depart from me I never knew you the word know there means to have intimate connection. You cannot have intimate connection with the Holy Spirit of God unless you have part of his spirit in you. In other words, unless you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be like those that had a form of religion but denied the power that lets you know him. To know him. He said, depart from me. In other words, you can do works in the name of Jesus Christ and not fully know him. That's a dangerous place to be. It scares my heart to see online watching worship coliseums of people worshiping 
And I would not in any way, shape, or form step out and go, you are all possibly not saved. I would never do that. That is not our job to do that. But I can tell you we must have a caution in our spirit that says, have I truly made heaven my home? Is my election made sure? Have I done everything I can do? Have I done everything the word tells me to do? And if you pray that prayer, God will lead you to truth. God will lead you to a place in Scripture where it says you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You will get led to places, and if you will promise God, I will do whatever that says, not what I've been taught in my tradition or my generation's upbringing. If you promise God, I will do whatever this book says right in front of me, and you take the filters off, you will walk into the greatest place of dwelling in God you've ever been. You will find home in Jesus Christ. Is this too harsh today? I'm trying not to be hard. I'm a loving pastor, but just as much as you send love out, you also have to have doctrine. You have to have reproof, instruction, and righteousness, Scripture says. You always have help. You always have help. That no man left behind thing is is meaning that I'm going to come for you. I'm going to come back for you. And I believe Jesus is coming back for us. And I do believe that we have a home in God. Amen? Because he's the one that established the idea of family in the first place. Psalm 68 and 6 says, God sets the solitary in in families. He brings out those which are bound with chains. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. I was thinking about that dry land for a little while, and I began to read Luke chapter 1 and see the, the parallels between John the Baptist bringing the, the forerunner and being the one that cries out that Jesus is coming, that prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight the path because Jesus is coming. He was crying out, letting them know that the Messiah was coming to earth. That's what he was doing. And when he was doing that, he was the one that was considered somewhat crazy, of course, Zacchaeus' son, but he was the one that, that was in camel hair, eating locusts in the wilderness and baptizing people in the Jordan. He was doing all these great things, but he's a voice of the one in the wilderness. And I thought, what about our day? Is this not a day of wilderness? Is this not a dry and desolate place? Is, is there not so much going on and so much information that people don't even know what's imminent information anymore? There's just so much bombarding people that they feel dry. They don't know where to nourish themselves. Their spirits feel like it's in a dry and weary land. And we have the water, amen. We have the life-giving source. We have Jesus Christ to give to them. So I was wondering if maybe today there's not a parallel between John the Baptist and the second coming of Jesus Christ where he preached and he was the one that seemed crazy out in the wilderness, but he had a place. He lived next to the water. He lived next to the living source of God. He was able to baptize and he was able to change lives. Still, even in the wilderness, he was able to do that. And I wonder if John the Baptist spirit has not fallen on the church of the living God to where we are now, that voice crying in the wilderness before Jesus comes the second time. We are that voice saying, make straight the ways. We've got to stand up and say, this is the way to live. Here is the word. Walk ye in it. We have to stand up and say, there still is righteousness in the earth, in the church of the living God. God, not just religion. We are the ones that don't promote religion. We promote relationship and we promote the power that is in that relationship. 
We promote walking in the Spirit. And so I wonder if maybe we are too, before Jesus comes back a second time, we're supposed to turn hearts of fathers toward children. We're supposed to raise our children to love and fear the Lord. And the fear that I'm talking about is an awe and a respect for God and his principles. And the second thing we're supposed to do as the voice crying in the wilderness as the church is to turn the disobedience of those to wisdom. In other words, give them godly principles from the word of God to live. Some people don't even know they're violating principles. I told the church that was here for prayer Thursday night, I said, you are my favorite people because you have put prayer first. And I know there's some working here, and you may hear that as a little bit of um, pastoral um, preference, but I, and, and maybe the scripture already popped up in your head that God is no... Um, you know, God is no respecter of persons and pastors should not be. But I want you to know I was referring to the fact that they have the principle of prayer that is higher as a priority than any other thing that was in their life that night. And they put it first. And that's why I was saying you are my favorite people tonight because you're here putting prayer first. God is not a respecter of persons. I am not a respecter of persons, but I am a respecter of principle. And there are people that don't even know they're violating principles of the word of God if we don't teach them. So we have to teach them in our home, and then we have to make ready a people for the Lord. I think that spiritual preparation is shown in 2 Timothy, 5 and 5, 2 Timothy 2 and 15, all the way down to 21. And, and we have to prepare our homes this way. We have to prepare our children this way. We have to be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. Who are we approved of? God. We're not approved of people. We're not looking for like buttons. <laughs> We're not looking for the emptiness of affirmation from human beings. We're looking to be approved by God. A worker. How many know that we're working in the kingdom, amen? Working in prayer, working in fasting, working with God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is the word of truth, amen? Rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, we're approved by God as workers, and we would not be ashamed if we know how to rightly divide this word. If we learn how to read the word and study it and be approved through it. And then the next verse, verse um, 16 says, But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Don't even, if you have nothing good to say, Brother Reese, like you said your mom used to always say, don't say anything at all. Just don't even go there. 2.17 says this. this we're just going to walk right through this media team, and their message will spread like cancer. Hemenaeus, and I can't even read their names, but they're gone, so we'll just remember them no more. <laughs> who have strayed concerning the truth. Oh, thank you. And Philetus, yes. Hymenaeus and Philetus, these are baby names available in the baby book of 2021. If you want to name your child Philetus, I'm sure there will be some sort of nickname they'll give him. Who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already passed and they overthrow the faith of some. Notice he's concerned about people keeping faith. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. 
and let everyone who's named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He's saying if you, if you put the name of Christ on your life, you should also actively depart any iniquities in your life. And he says, but it is great how, in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. He's saying no, when you gather a large group of people together that are walking after Jesus Christ, there are going to be some that desire God the way they should more than others. And there are going to be those that are just simply riding the bus. Do you understand what I mean? They're just there because they feel good, they like it. Maybe they're even of the opinion that they're, that's all they need to do, and maybe they haven't been instructed further. But if you go back to the last verse for me, you understand that there is going to be in God's house vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. In other words, what he's saying is don't worry about the fact that there are some vessels that are more wood and clay and still and God's still working on them than the vessels that are gold and silver that have great desire for God and that are fasting and reading the word and applying the word and praying and, and, and doing whatever God has called them to do. Regardless of whether you, you like it or not, he said there's going to be vessels of honor and there's going to be vessels of dishonor in my house. But they're both in my house. Thank God they're here. Thank God God's working on them. Amen? And then, of course, he says, nevertheless, or therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, uh, let's go. Um, that's verse 21. Okay. He will be a vessel for honor, sacrificed or sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Did we skip some verses? I just want to make sure we didn't. Okay. Because I wrote them down as that, and I believe that that's what God is talking to us about, the principles of changing our life and, and learning the Word of God and applying the Word of God. The way that you make your home stronger is not wanting just better for your children. We all want better for our children. We all want the best life for them. In fact, I don't know that if you asked any parents that they wouldn't probably list off some of the same exact characteristics, whether they're saved or not saved, whether in their home, in a home that leans to righteousness or walks with God or not. Most parents would say, I want a, a more successful career for my child. I, I want, uh, you know, a happy home, good health. You know, probably they would say a life with fewer challenges. They would like an easier life, maybe a softer job for their children or, or something like that. But what does God want in our homes? What does God want with our children? Do we give that question much thought or as much thought as we should? Because what God wants for our children in our life, in our homes, may be completely different than what we think we should have, especially different from the American dream, unfortunately. More prosperous, more better, get bigger this, bigger that, buy newer this, newer that. That's not, that's not what God has intended for you. Jesus, um, Jesus has other plans, possibly. And Jesus may have other plans for your children. And so we see in Matthew 20, 21, example of this where the sons of Zebedee, maybe, possibly, have put mom up to a question for Jesus. I'm not sure, but if you look at the scripture, brother, you might find that Whenever Jesus answers the mother, he answers the boys directly. And these are the boys that were formerly nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. 
That's a perfect Harley Davidson, you know, club. If you want to start a Christian Harley Davidson club, the Sons of Thunder. There you go. Just SOT. We are sought out by God. Just put that right on, on the back of your leather vest. Is the Holy Ghost still here? Somebody check. But Jesus didn't want. Jesus didn't want what she was asking for. Of course, she said, then the mother of Zebedee, the son, Zebedee's sons came to him and with her sons kneeling down and asking something from him. One translation said she asked him a favor, kneeling down, asked him a favor. She wanted to build tabernacles and put one son on the right and one son on the left. And, and Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking. You don't even understand. That's, that's not what's going on. And it's my sneaking suspicion that they put mom up to it because these are strapping sons of thunder. You think they wouldn't have shut mom down if they thought that was a bad question? They were there. They were there. <laughs> Those boys were standing right there when mom asked the question. They would, she, she's kneeling even. And so they would have said, Mom, Mom, no, that's not what this is all about. Um, come over here, Mom. Let me hug you. <laughs> they would have interrupted, but they didn't. And when Jesus responded, like I said, he answered them directly. And then the other ten were indignant, not at Mom, but at James and John. If that doesn't tell you something, I think it does. I think possibly that they wanted to know where they were going to sit with God. And so as anyone would, any mom would, they would want the best for their sons. And of course, she would ask the question. But I wonder if we want the same things for our children that God wants. Because Jesus was saying, that is not what I want for your children. In fact, if you look at the history of James and John and what they end up doing, they end up changing the course of history. In fact, one ends up being the first martyr. The second one ends up being the last apostle to die. And so they book in the very nature of God. They book in the character of God. They book in the understanding of what it's like to walk through life with Jesus Christ. In the Gospels. And so you see James, who becomes the first apostle, killed in Acts 12 and 2. And he and his brother John, who gets exiled on Patmos. And I love the fact that they are used of God in such a beautiful way. But I also love the fact that John lived, outlived them all. And he's correcting and he's admonishing and he's doing all of these things in 1 John 2 and 1 John 3 and 7. Uh, 1 John 2 and 7 and 3 John uh, 10, he's, he's admonishing and he's denouncing the apostates. He's in prison and he's directing the church from prison. And while he's in prison, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Nothing that happened in his life, nothing could keep him from his experiences and his relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I saw and I turned to see a voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to the foot, girt about the paths with a golden girdle, head in his hair, were white like wool, white as snow, his feet were as fine brass as burned. I'm trying to remember it all. <laughs> as they burned in the furnace, his voice was as the sound as many waters, and, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth, this is a picture of Jesus Christ. This is the picture of the revealed and, and uh, resurrected Jesus Christ. There is no greater picture in Scripture that comes through John in Revelation 1. And he said, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. 
I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Amen. He's got the keys to my grave. He's got the keys to my future. He's got the keys to my new home. Amen. Devil doesn't even have the keys to his own house. Jesus has them. He has the keys of eternal life. And if he has everything in him, then when I put Jesus into my children, when I put Jesus into their life, when I bring them to let them go to kids' life or Sunday school and learn the word and learn about Jesus, I'm giving them the strength to do what God wants them to do, not necessarily the easiest life, not necessarily the, the, the thing that I think everybody should have, but I find it that I'm very careful careful to make sure that I don't give them an understanding of what it's like to walk with God as being only blessed and only given things and only held up by all the good things that you get to go to the right places, the right schools, you get the right major, the right career path, the right spouse, you get all these blessings and there never is a moment where life gives you a black eye. I want to encourage my children in Jesus that he went and he suffered, but his suffering bought my salvation. Understand that whatever you go through, God can use it, and God may not give you the successes of the neighbor's kids down the road, but he's going to give you the plan for his life. I know the plans I have made for you, and they are a blessing, amen? I find if I'm not careful, I can get caught up in the way of thinking of this world. And I'm very careful not to do this, to give my kids a successful future, which means all the good things. And that's good, and it only gives you so much. And it's good as far as it can go. But it is not. It is not everything. It does not see the visions and the plans of God for their life. It is too short-sighted. When eternity comes into view, it is not a true picture of home. Home is really when our life is so given to Jesus Christ that we would lose our life for him. And we find it when we lose it in Jesus Christ. For to lose our life is to find it. But to find our life is to possibly lose out with him. Mark 8.36 says, What good is it that a man gained the whole world yet forfeit his soul. I'm so thankful that I know that my prayers for my children are heard, but the greatest prayer I want to pray is, God, help me want what you want for my children. Help me want what you want for our home. Help me want what you want. I don't know what, what this home is going to be like. This life will bring so many troubles and trials. But teach them this world is not your home. Teach them you always have a home in Christ Jesus. And that's better than this life will ever be. It's better than this life will ever be. So no good things, Pastor, in this life. You just want to give it all up? Just live a pauper's life and take a vow of poverty? No, I'm not saying that. I'm definitely not saying that good things come to people who are patient and good things come to people who live God's principles. I promise you, tithing works. You give God 10%, he'll make the 90 pay for everything. 
I promise you principles of finance and the word of God work. They will make you wealthy. They will leave an inheritance to your children's children, the scripture says. A righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. In other words, living righteously builds wealth. That is true. But that is not what we live for. We live for the riches of the kingdom of God, not the wealth of this earth. And we have to understand that we have to invest in our kids the model of our own life. That we have to serve our spouse so that our kids can see that service is greater than being served. We have to give of ourselves to the church so that they can see that there's something greater than us to give to than our schedules. And it's inconvenient. Yes, it is. There's times when we want to just hit the lazy boy and watch something and, and Lord forbid that we would ever put that over a godly principle. But there's times when we have to say, no, everybody, I know it's not convenient, but everybody get in the car. We're going to the house of the Lord and we're going to worship God. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice even if it's not easy, even if we're tired from a work week that was very difficult, even if pastor gets in the pulpit and he's still sending text messages to get his job done, we're still going to magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I do not have too many ties to this earth, but I have a home waiting for me in heaven. Teach them that. Teach them that the future God promises them isn't limited to your life lifespan. Understand and teach them by modeling in your life that not only can God open doors for your children and for you on this earth, but he can open heaven as a home. Teach them that by modeling it in front of them. The greatest thing we can ever do is model it in front of them. They say nearly 70% of teachers right now, as kids return to class, are being greeted by a female teacher. They say 28% of those kids, on top of that, don't know what it's like to have a father figure in their life, and over 70% don't have a father figure in the home. They go from their mother to a female teacher to not really knowing the voice of a man in their home. Brothers, can I help us? We need to stand up, and we not only need to be strong when we need to be, but we need to be kind when we're strong, and we need to be loving. Amen? Yes, John was called one of the sons of thunder, but after he walked with God his entire lifespan, he not only did correction and doctrine in his books, but in 1 John, he used the word love and its relatives in the original language over 40 times. And by the time he got done, he wasn't just nicknamed the son of thunder. By the time he got done with his walk with God and understanding who God was in this life and the home he had prepared for him, he was called the apostle of love. We have to understand, like Reese was preaching today and teaching in spirit life, we have to approach the world with love. We can't beat them with a book, but we can show them a cross that changed the world and that God died for them and that they have a heavenly home. You are the most earthly good when you know and live like you always have a heavenly home. You always have a heavenly home. I wonder if there's any dads in this room that would be willing to pull on heaven
to change the environment of their home. I wonder if there's anybody that wants to be like James and John that says, I, I, I want some things, but they might not be what God wants for me. I just want what God wants for my children. I wonder if there's any men that would pull heaven, will pull on heaven and put them into your home. I don't know how to end this sermon. This sermon has kind of gone places I didn't have in my notes. But I can tell you this, strong men in the home is missing. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what, huh, Lord, help me to say this the right way. I don't care what the world says. Masculinity is not a problem in our world. The missing men is the problem in our world. If there were more men in the home, then we would have help with raising children, that mothers would not have to do both. Mothers would not have to carry all the load, but they would be helped by the family. And I'm not admonishing anybody here today. If you have a job or you have requirements and responsibilities, I understand that, but you can FaceTime. You can, you can pray with your kids at night when they go to bed. You can set up something to where they know that you are engaged. Amen? I'm just trying my best to understand that whenever someone, whenever someone has a place where they call home, there's always a place to come back to. And I always come back to the understanding that Jesus wants the heart of the Father turned toward the home in these last days. And if there is someone in this room that needs, or someone listening online that does not know where your father is and has never known your father, I want to introduce you to a heavenly father today. This isn't a Father's Day message. This is an opportunity for you to have a home that's not this life, a home that's not this place, a home that's not driven by earthly and carnal desires, but a home that was purchased for us by Jesus Christ. And I want to introduce you to a good God and a loving father. And if you're a father in this place, I pray you would pray. As we stand together, I'd ask God to help us to pray. Lord, help me to build my home the way you want it built. And I pray if there's a mother that runs the home, that you would pray, Lord, help me to build this home the way you would want me to build it. I'm not indicting anybody today, but I'm saying Jesus is the one who has the best plans. He knows what it's like. He set at the solitary. That means the lonely. And that word set means to put down firmly. He sets them in families. And the reason why he put people in families is because he knew we inside indelibly needed. We are wired for a place called home. Our home was in God originally. He's our source. But if we walk away from that through due to carnal lusts or desires or, or we want to look good or there's a keeping up with the Jones spirit that gets, a, gets on us, that we need to shed all of that stuff and go back to the original source, which is God and put God in our home. Pull heaven down into our home. That's what I'm asking from somebody today is pull heaven into your life. Pull heaven, pull God into your life. And when you do that, it changes everything. It changes everything. My mom didn't always make the best decisions, but I honor her for being a good mom. We were driving the Alaskan-Canadian highway, and 
my brother was sleeping in the in the footwell of the truck and I was sleeping on the bed of this 1982 Silverado Chevy. Yeah, that's a nice truck. Had bucket seats, so my mom was driving and the dash kind of jutted in right here and then you had the dash, so that was my hi-hat. And then I folded down the sun visors and that, those were my symbols, Brother Reese. And so I play the hi-hat and I play the flat, flat part of the dash and that was my snare. And we had, she put tapes. Anybody know what a tape is? Yeah. Those things you used to fix with pencils. Anybody know who those are? Yeah. I had a tape in, and I was playing drums, and, and I hit the visor when I needed to hit the cymbal. I put all kinds of little drum stick holes in that visor. My mom didn't care. She's like, you're playing for Jesus. Keep playing. She always promoted the Lord in our life. So I was laying in the sleep laying asleep on the bench and my brother in the wheel well or in the seat in the uh, foot well the one thing I know about my mom she heard from God and the Lord said get those boys up put them in a seatbelt when you give your family to the Lord regardless of how messed up it ever is it is um, God will protect it so she got us up, and we got in seatbelts, and about a mile and a half later, we ended up in a car accident where we turned up on our side and threw all of our earthly contents into a field. Pickle jar went the farthest and didn't break. I don't know how that happened. Angel caught it. Just, oh, we're going to need those pickles. But there was a police car that pulled up, and the police officer got out, and he said, don't worry about it. I go to a church that's about 20 minutes from here. I've already talked with the pastor. We're going to pay for everything. We're going to put we're going to put the the axle back together. We're going to pay for the it was about $1500 worth of mechanical stuff and we just drove with a cracked windshield. And we drove our way to Alaska the rest of the way. It took us a week to get everything repaired. They built a makeshift like out of wood camper and we put all the stuff that wasn't broken back in. And when we got done, we got the cat, got in the truck, and we left. And we started looking at pictures when we got to Alaska, and there is not a single picture of that officer anywhere. And my mom called the family and that we stayed with while we were there, while they were repairing the truck, and she said, did you know the officer that stopped? And they're like, what was his name? And my mom had a name. And they called the precincts around there, and there was no such officer he was there in seconds. All the pictures have him looking away from the camera. The angel of the Lord came. The angel of the Lord came all because my mom said, Lord, would you make this your home? I know I've got a husband in jail. I know I've got, I've got some bad choices and bad situations, but God, would you make this your home? Lord, I know it doesn't always look right, and I know it doesn't always fit what the Bible's, Lord, would you make this your home? And God protected her children that day. I get to preach this book today because I always had a home in Jesus. 
I preach to somebody here? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you feel like, and I don't know where you are. I don't know what kind of struggles you're having in your body or in your life, but you always have a home in Jesus. And if I can encourage you to leave this place today with your head lifted up and your eyes looking toward the Lord, know that whatever comes your way, he'll send help just like he sent help for us. And he'll guide you and he'll direct you. I pray, God, you turn the hearts of the fathers toward the home. I pray, God, you turn the disobedient heart of anybody to wisdom and to godly principles. And I pray you prepare your people for your coming. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you today. You can find a place to pray. If you just want to tell the Lord, make my life your home. Make my home your heaven. But if you need to go, I understand. Just take Jesus with you wherever you go. But maybe you want to come and say, Lord, I want to shed any ideas that draw me away from your plan for my life. Someone needs to pray. We open this altar to pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, you. 